this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Oh, sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. After Buzz TV, over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. After Buzz TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind the scenes exclusives. All thanks to E Entertainment's Maria Menunos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Only. <laughs> That's right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to AfterBuzz TV as we discuss Childhood End, the miniseries on Sci-Fi Network, a three-parter, and we will be discussing all three parts today, and obviously it is spoiler-filled. So if you have not seen it, pause. Pause. Don't click away. I mean, thus the the review and after show. That's right. (laughs) Good point, Zach Wilson. It's after, so... That is the voice of Zach Wilson, sci-fi resident nerd. Uh, that is an apt way to describe me. Hey, guys, uh, I'm Zach Wilson. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ThatZachWilson. And we have Keith Black. And my name is Keith Black. You can find me all over the internet at KeithWBlack. And uh, how would you describe yourself? You're 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 one of the newer hosts here at AfterBuzz TV, and so I don't have kind of a moniker for you yet. Yeah, how would I describe myself? I, I like to say pleasant. Yeah, that's always something you look for as being okay. pleasant. <laughs> so uh, are the overlords, but sure. Yeah, sure. We'll yeah. I think they were. I'm probably equally as pleasant as they are with my intentions. Okay. See, mix. You, there's <laughs> no, pause. There's, yeah, there's no no way to decipher that. I'm gonna slide a little <laughs> over. All right. Um, now, obviously, there, there's so many kind of factors that go into it, and uh, you know, we'll try to hit on as many as we can. But truth be told, this was one of those things. I, I commend Sci-Fi in the way they did it. There's a there's a lull in TV, and you know they, they managed to kind of put this in. And I thought that was a great strategy. The thing that didn't work for me was I was ready to take a quick break, so I don't you know it wasn't on the agenda to do this. And then I said, you know what, we should really do Childs yeah. at End. And so we've kind of banded together, and I believe in about three or four days we put this whole thing together. Yeah. So yeah. if there's some and uh, if there's some stuff that we miss, you know, it's it's not our intention. We're trying to get as deep as we can, but you know what, that's what the comments are for, and we'll continue the discussion there. So, um, but let's start with the overall impressions of what you thought of it. And what kind of drew you into this, wanting to talk about it, wanting to see it, so on and so forth? Uh, well, I read the book uh, a while back, 
I couldn't I couldn't tell you exactly what it was either high school or early in, in college. But uh, Arthur C. Clarke's one of my favorite authors. Uh, the 2001 series, like all the way through 3001, I think is amazing. Rendezvous with Rama is one of is another one of his great books. They all have that similar theme of an alien. What happens when we interact with an alien force, and what that force could be, good or bad, mm-hmm. um, and questions of how that affects humanity. Childhood End, Childhood's End, being his first novel, has a lot of those elements in it. You can sort of see the seeds. So I wanted to see what an adaptation would look like. I've wanted to for years, because uh, the whole thing with the overlords and all that is this big story and big concept that isn't really... Te- it's it's so intricate and heady in a way that most modern sci-fi is not. Um, so I was very curious how sci-fi was going to handle that. And I mostly liked it. I really liked how it kicked off. It's I thought it, the, the way that they did, did it towards the end might have could have been a little bit better, and we can talk about more of the specifics of that later. But mm-hmm. overall, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'm just overall an incredibly just immense sci-fi fan. I, I get into it, and I, anything that's based around a scientific basis, and you're like, all right, this is something that could potentially be in the future tense. It could be happening now with where we are in the world in relation to science. Anything like that where we can base a whole story of under the overlords coming in another planet or even us having that communication and turning into utopian society that's something that could be feasible if everyone put their minds together so for me that's fascinating and it just makes me really want to get involved and oh how can i not watch this is it something that intrigues me to the max you know yeah yeah what i like what, what kind of i like about it is you know the theme of utopia and it's uh utopia is such a weird term because it all matters upon perspective like we could be living in a utopian world right now to, mm-hmm. For some people, others not so much. Um, and so I always liked that idea. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And uh, what intrigued me, I read the book in ninth grade, freshman year. And part of our assignment was to kind of, it was like a book review, but we did it as a group. So everyone split off into groups. And uh, I was joking with you guys, we did a Jerry Springer sketch of this (laughs) where the Overlord was not the the um, most likable person in the Jerry Springer skit, and so it just became crazy in that way. And we managed to get an A, which I which I liked when you get <laughs> Jerry Springer yeah. getting an A. Um, definitely creative. I'll give you that. It was ninth graders uh, coming in hot. And you know, I I I thought the themes you know were really really well done in the book, and and so I always kind of just the notion of the overlords being you know, the, the iconic devil and how that played into yeah. it. Um, so it always kind of stuck with me. Not in a, I never became obsessed over it, but it was always intriguing to me. And so I was curious how they were going to do this, and I'm glad Sci-Fi uh, put money towards it yeah. in the right way. Um, you know, and I, I thought overall they succeeded. And from what I've read, the reviews, people seem to think overall it succeeded nicely. Yeah, I mean, just from seeing um, what popped up on my Twitter feed this week, like... People are enjoying it. They they had fun with it. I mean, this is there've been so many attempts over the years 
to make this into a movie, uh, Kubrick wanted to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, he couldn't get the rights, so they're like, "All right, let's do original 2001: Space Odyssey. Let's make that." <laughs> Which I mean, you know, it kind of begs the question: like, imagine if he did it because I mean, t- 2001: Space Odyssey is so well regarded. Yeah. So it would not have been this clear. No, no, it would <laughs> not. A lot of mystique. Um, and this, I mean, this story has a lot of stuff that's not perfectly like clear and laid out for you in terms of the, especially in terms of the overmind and what they're gonna, what the purpose is that everyone is fulfilling here. That's like the big question that we don't really get answered. Mm-hmm. And I think that would have just been expanded upon and become a much bigger part. Or just they wouldn't have answered. It wouldn't. Have, you wouldn't have seen the overmind or anything like yeah, that in a Kubrick version of this story. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, and you, you did you read the book? I don't think you answered. I, no, I didn't. You did, I did not. No. Um, one of the things that I did find interesting, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on the book, but that uh, it kind of started off as short stories, and that kind of led into this mm-hmm. book, mm-hmm. Um, which I actually did not know, um, unless I forgot it. <laughs> um, so it was yeah. one short story, right? And then it was, uh, and then he decided to expand it? Yeah, it began, the, 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 it was called Guardian Angel, written in 1946, um, and then uh, it was expanded into a novel incorporating first parts of Earth and, and the Overlords, being kind of what the short story really was. That became that sort of chunk of the chapter. Um, and again, for me, it's been several years since I read the book, so I'm not gonna, yeah. I don't quite have the full specifics, but we will talk about, uh, various book to adaptation comparisons. So, um, let's start with, you know, before we, we'll break it down in terms of the, the nights, you know, yeah. or episodes, whatever you guys want to call them, but let's start mm-hmm. with just kind of the overall cast and, and, and crew that took part in this. Um, you know, who stood out most to you? Was it Milo? Was it Ricky? I mean, I, I think else? just I think uh, Charles Dance is Corellan. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, that was he was so impactful and he moved every scene that he was in that it actually led you to believe you're like this mystique, this gentleman could actually be the personification of the first visitor we have. Like he was believable and he wasn't over the top. He was dressed as similar to the devil, which would spook everybody. But in, in that moment, he still didn't come across as frightening aggressive or devilish he didn't have those qualities he still came across as soothing even in the harshest of times and i thought for me personally i'm like this guy i mean he took a role and just absolutely knocked it out of the park and sitting in a chair for three hours every day and still being able to bring it getting makeup i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he that was he was a standout performance mm-hmm. behind all that makeup um i mean it's easy to forget who you're looking at when yeah. you have that kind of makeup and like light cgi which i think it, was, it looked mostly practical yeah um, i think so with like i think like a little with the cgi to help fill it in but it looked really good so you were able to just like step out from yeah. you you weren't you were or rather you weren't taken out from the from the production, it was just, it was good. Um, I thought that uh, Mike Vogel, who played uh, Ricky, did a great job just being that. Like it, it was like it was like Kevin Costner in Field of Dreams. Like that was <laughs> that was what that was who this character yeah. was. This version of uh, Ricky, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that I thought he had a great stand up performance. Uh, so did it pretty much everybody in this in this thing. Yeah, there, there was I, no real like sh- shortcomings. I, I agree. I took to Milo because. Uh, number one, the story opens up with him, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and it ends with him, and so you know he's the one that kind of completes the circle for me. So I gravitate towards him the most, yeah. um, and just just his 
you know, solo act of trying to, like, you know, the scientific curiosity and keeping that alive. Obviously, everyone was kind of doing it and questioning it in some sort of sense, but um, he, to me, um, I gravitated towards him the most. Yeah, actually acting upon it. Yeah. And one thing about uh, Mike Vogel as Ricky, I really wanted to get to know why he was chosen more, and that's one of the things I really wish they would have, you know, dove into a little bit more is why specifically they chose this farmer to be, I mean, they listed because, you know, he's courageous, he's brave, people, you know, lead him, that will follow him, but like what out of everybody on the planet, him or it was the blind lady, like from, they from him. Korea. <laughs> yeah, they ate him blind lady from Korea, <laughs> and it's I would have been more like, okay, well, whoa, like we we seem a little different in our comparisons. Like what what are our similarities? Why was I chosen for this role? I think if we would have gone a little bit more in depth into who he was, you kind of you would have well, felt more. So let's, let's open up relatable. there. You know, so that's part of you know uh, the, the the first night of everything, or I call it night one, episode one, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you guys want to call it and uh part of the theme for me was free will and choice right Mm -hmm. and you know in this regard the uh the overlords chose him in the book they chose the uh secretary general of the united nations Mm -hmm. which makes the most sense if you ask like who's the world leader (laughs) okay that you you can argue the secretary general um so it was a bit of a departure um again i think part of it for me um, not story wise was that, that from a production budget perhaps it was easier to film on a farm than it was at the <laughs> yeah. at the United Nations yeah. <laughs> um, it, but from a story perspective uh, it was interesting yeah, it, it kind of humanized it a little bit more where you know if you're at the United Nations it it, it no, 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 not everyone can relate to that side yeah. of things, whereas a farmer is much e- easier to grasp in what yeah. they're dealing with day to day. Yeah, I think also the di- <clears throat> the big difference between like when this was written in the 50s, the UN was like this peacekeeping force that was new to the scene. Like everyone's like, oh, this could yeah. like be the the true world peacekeeping force. Today, where the UN is the butt of most jokes. <laughs> like we don't think of the UN as particularly the the place that houses the most effective people in the world. Yeah. Um. But I think that there is something to the small town leader. Just from the writing perspective, picking that person, and especially for an American audience, that's like we all want to think like, oh yeah, like it could be me, Johnny Gooddoer, like he's the voice of of America and the world. Um, I liked that they threw in the blind lady though, because I think that that even though they picked this person, it says something about what the overlords were going for, mm-hmm. because it wasn't just. We needed somebody who like looked pretty and like was well spoken. It was they needed a face that the world could trust and latch onto in a way that like you couldn't trust the president because yeah. like everybody has too many variables about whether what they feel about the president mm-hmm. of the United States. But this guy, you don't really sense an agenda. True. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, nor would you from the little old blind lady like that. <laughs> that would have been an, a different way to pass the message along. It's just like a little old blind lady who can just tell the can pass messages along to the world and yeah, give power to those that don't want it because they're usually the best to lead. Mm-hmm. Same type mm-hmm. of situation. And you know, I also like that. You know, since I mentioned free will and choice, like the fact that it was his choice to take. Um, you know that. Whatever we're gonna call it, uh, the the little vial, I don't. Yeah, the, the the vial and and kind of, you know, 
he wasn't uh, he wasn't necessarily a hundred percent compliant with everything, mm-hmm. but he went along with yeah. it, and I, I really liked that. What did you guys think initially was kind of contained within this vial? I I, didn't, I don't think I believed it was a world virus. You know, <laughs> I don't think they would come do all the staging of that and then be like, "Gotcha," you know, yeah. <laughs> release virus like It'd be just funny though, like a big practical joke. They're like, "Man, we got Earth so good," but I I did think it was going to be something along the lines of like whether it stimulates who he was. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, making Ricky a little bit more powerful, more knowledgeable, or able to communicate telepathically. Something along those lines. I think I got a little bit more mystical with it, hoping that it's going to be like, okay, I've seen a lot of superhero movies. Let's, let's see what's going to happen in this situation. Cause having not read the book, I, all of this was fresh eyes yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. So it was more, a lot of just predicting and guessing sums that could be completely outrageous. You know, but we're in sci-fi, so it's kind of, yeah, welcomed. I kind of just thought it was going to be like an intergalactic space phone. <laughs> like that's honestly I looked at it and that was like my first thought was this is a, a communication device yeah. but like then there's got to be more to it so it was it was an int- I, I liked that it uh it was a good thing to throw into play especially with seeing how like the government reacts mm-hmm. to it um was very human like that's what I could see happening <laughs> yeah yeah that was a good interaction yeah they didn't, they didn't have a gun on me but you do yeah that's true yeah. And I also like that Krellin gave him the option. He's like, what if I want to throw this in the river? Don't like, throw it in the river. You know, it's a, this is your your call. We're here to help, but we're still leaving choice up to you and free will up to you. They're not coming down, although they can cure everything. They're not forcing it on him. So yeah. I think that definitely led to Ricky being more trusting than you know getting the gun pulled yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> which ultimately, by the end of the story, is debatable. True. Whether or not they did give everyone free choice and what then whether their intent whether intentions were good or not mm-hmm. or the results were good or not it's that's i think the point of the whole story is we're given utopia but did we ever want it yeah which is what brought up the segregated society within yeah. thing when they're like we want to live our lives in a, in a world that is completely free will that is filled with disease that is filled with air like because for them that's living it's creativity it's science it's exploration bad yeah yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about New Athens a bit more. Um, what I also liked about it was kind of a slight departure, but in a good way, right? So, as we talked about uh, Ricky the farmer, we talked about the government side of it, but then you also had the journalistic side of it through Hugo, and he, he's the one who dubbed them the overlords, and he was he out of all people that I thought would like go off and con colonize, uh, I thought he'd be the one to, to start New Athens in some weird way, but yeah. Um, what did you guys think of him and that that kind of interaction? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, he was aggressive from the beginning, and I think that he was a great, uh, you know, sim- part of symbolism for all those people that would have an aggressive reaction to what was happening. He felt like things were being taken from him and forced upon him, and rather than just going like, okay, well, this is the situation now, we can't fight back, he still was adamant about fighting back and believed wholeheartedly that he was right in what he was doing, and I think that that's something that a lot of people will be able to relate to, and so he was a great way to symbolize those feelings for the characters that would be vengeful against you know, the overlords coming down. So mm-hmm. I, enjoy, I enjoyed his role. I thought that he did a great job, you know, portraying all those type of people. Yeah, I mean, it because that's the natural reaction. Like when you're being invaded, is well, we should prepare a resistance. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's a mistrust there. Like, there, you you can lead you lead with the. Um, like the the candy mm-hmm. and then get it's the switcheroo um which ultimately is what happens like for better or worse like it's sugaring the pill yeah <laughs> sugaring yeah exactly um but ulti- i mean ult- by the end of the story again that's 
he's not wrong. Like, they find this, oh, it's a good world. Like, see, everything's going right. And then just turn, uh, they had a long game. Mm-hmm. And even if they'd waited longer, they could have waited until, like, no one was left who sure. remembered but a time before the mm-hmm. overlords. They, they, like, they just, they were going to just do this anyway. This was, they knew that this was going to happen. And how could you know? If you are, if you, if you've given up control mm-hmm. to anybody else, how do you know that event, that they don't have some kind of long plan to take back what they did? Because you've given up everything that you had that could have stopped it. Yeah, I mean, you just feel defeated. And they're in, sit, sitting there in the situation where these overlords come and they let two decades go by. And nobody, just all in that time, he, he died off immediately. But in that time, nobody else thought to resist. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine a world where people just became that complacent that quickly, just based on how aggressive we are as a species currently. For us just to be so, like, okay, well, we're now going to, peace is great, but at what cost? They don't, like, what are they going to ask for us? You don't just give somebody world peace and utopian society without wanting something. Yeah, I think in general we're, we're conditioned, uh, if it's too good to be true, we're always like, wait, what? Wait a minute, what do, what do you want? What do you <laughs> yeah. want? Uh, I, I think it's very true um, of, of humans in general. So I, I, I could definitely see that. Um, we're not capable of truly selfless acts. Yeah. No, and, you know, unless, I, I mean, at the end of the day, and I don't uh, you know, we we just most people just want to go about their day and the most minimal actions that they can take. Yeah. Now, for some people, you know, some people that could be just literally sitting on the couch, and that's mm-hmm. fine. For others, it might have to be like doing forty thousand things and climbing Mount Everest yeah. and then cooking dinner. But at the you know, each one has a definition of the the minimal actions necessary yeah. to achieve what they want. That was <clears throat> that was one of the scariest things for me in this whole in this whole utopia was like when they're like jobs are a tough commodity to come yeah. by. I'm like. What would I do with myself <laughs> all day? Um, you remove, like, because you remove pain from the world. Mm-hmm. Like, what is there to, like, tell stories about? Like, we're here at AfterBuzz. We talk about TV all day because we mm-hmm. love stories and we love art. Like, what is what is effectively art? Mm-hmm. And art comes from pain. Art comes from mistakes and problems. Without that, like, what do we do with ourselves? Like, you, we just would exist yeah, it eradicates history as well. I mean, what what stories are going to be new? What things are you going to be able to talk down to your kids about and inform them? Like, everything will have been just bland. There's nothing, there's no drastic events happening. There's no major world events, wars, changes, famine. Not, that doesn't exist anymore. There's, nothing is happening. There's no traffic. You know, you're sitting you're sitting in this world of just <laughs> boringness. I, I couldn't do it. I would, I would lose it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's it's just you know utopia. I, I feel like by definition, I mean, I've never seen a different representation of it, but it's just boring and bland. Yeah, because that's the you know at least the the more the the most tangible way we can describe it and, and interpret it, unless there is some different way that I'm not aware of. <laughs> um, uh, anything else about uh, episode one that that you guys feel like we we should discuss? Well, I just want to say, like, I think the the um, the reveal at the very end of episode yeah. one of Corellin was handled perfectly. Um, like, I knew it was, was coming. I'm actually very curious about your reaction uh, because you didn't know that that like that turn was coming with yeah, his true. appearance. Well, so, what did you think as you saw it? 
I I mean, the first time I saw it, I was kind of it was more of a you know sarcastic response. It was like. Oh, of course. Like, you know, out of everything that you could possibly be, you come looking out just like what all religions have predicted the devil to embody. And they're like, well, we were right, guys. Like, you know, there's a lot of people looking over their shoulder like, I called that one. You know, that one's on me. And so I was like, okay, well, at a really, like, it had luck with the devil. I just couldn't, I never would have imagined that. Mm-hmm. I never would have predicted that. I know the, you know, the crossover with religion and how strong of a theme that is throughout the whole series. But I still would never have believed that the embodiment of the devil would be so well-received. People didn't seem shocked. They weren't surprised. They were kind of like, oh, okay. And they had a while to get there. But still, without ever seeing them, do you just trust because it's comfortable and you've known it for so long that you just trust that's how it is? Or do you think you get real, a little bit more skeptical or like, okay, this can, kind of changes things? And for me, it kind of changed. I was like, oh, I'm a little more skeptical of you now. Yeah. Since you, and, you understood though why, why obviously Corellan was holding back, and he kept saying, I, "Hey, I can't show myself to you right now." Absolutely, I think mm-hmm. that him, you know, not showing himself is the wisest move. Considering, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, he clearly did his research about humanity, and I'm sure going through the books, and he's, he's like, "Oh, there I am." Like, that's not going to be good. They really right. don't like this guy, and I look exactly like him. That's, I mean, it's the same thing if you walk down the street and you saw like a wanted poster, and you're like, "That guy looks way too much like me." I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out of this neighborhood for a bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Good it was comparison. a smart move. Yeah, I mean it's it, it, uh, the idea of like him being embodied by the, like being the visual embodiment of the devil. I thought was has always been one of my favorite parts of the story because it's just an, such a fascinating turn and what it does later on in terms of like what uh, the formation of our history with that image and the psychic connection or potential psychic connection. I think is a great. Uh, very interesting philosophical just discussion point. Um, But the idea of like, yeah, what if aliens showed up? They're not going to look like (laughs) us. Like, there's a good chance they would show up and not even be bipedal. Like, Mm -hmm. let alone like look anything like us. So that they very, like, real aliens could very well look like the devil. They could very well look like something that we have already created. Like, how many different monsters have we drawn in some form? Like, if if aliens did show up, there's a good chance there's, like, one Star Wars, Star Trek, or, like, (laughs) other creature that, like, resembles them, at least in some way. And that would freak us out. We'd be (laughs) like... Who is Gene Roddenberry really? <laughs> like we all the conspiracy theories and stuff, but this is the worst case scenario of what uh, they could look like. Is- well, here's a funny thing, like not related to Chazan at all, but if you kind of look at it in some weird, demented way, uh, you could take a look at Jesus and be like, "Oh, they must really hate him. They always have him killed on yeah. everything." <laughs> They like this guy. He's active. Uh, yeah, he's getting at it. Look at that poor guy. They're hanging him up like they're sadistic. It's like a trophy in their house. Like, yeah, so better not go as that guy. <laughs> they really, I mean, but that's like the other the other side of it is like the aliens coming in. Like, what would they maybe have misinterpreted from us? Like, we misinterpreted their image mm-hmm. effectively. Yeah. Or, well, I'll talk about my thoughts. Like, I think we potentially properly interpreted their image. Um, but if they look down at us, they're like, they're wearing like jewelry of like his dead body like around their their necks i think they're celebrating about it like they're still bragging <laughs> yeah, they're still bragging about it and then he goes down and he's like all right look guys like that's done with okay like you, you can't all be right like let's just stop doing that it's sick you need to stop wearing the jewelry <laughs> yeah and these get they go to, they go to this one place every sunday and they they sing about it <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I think I mean that, I think that transitions us nicely into uh, episode two. 
Because at that point, you couldn't avoid going religious, going into symbolism yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. And how did you guys feel about that sort of... Because it was a slight tone shift yeah, in general. Episode two. There were tone shifts be- between each episode, I think. Yeah. Like, very much, like, these were very compartmentalized episodes. Yeah. Uh, which made it interesting um, in terms of, like, how sci-fi chose to show it. I mean, the story is very separated. So it made sense to do the three-part thing. The same thing they did last year with Ascension. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will... Sorry, this is a little bit off topic, but it, was just, sure. it just infuriated me so much that, like, sci-fi, I'm going to say this directly to you. When I'm watching a show, I don't need you to give me previews of what I'm about to watch at every commercial break. I'm already here. Jersey Shore started that trend. But like, or at least I'm going to credit them in that regard. Yeah. But like reality, it's like a tease to like, yeah, it because it's stupid anyway. <laughs> like anybody who's watched, even the people who are enjoying it, know it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. But like you're telling like, a science fiction story with twists and turns, and you're giving me like I hate nextons like half the time. Like let alone like nextons every five minutes. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Sorry, I had to get that out. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it is relevant for, you know, uh, it is a TV thing, and, and yeah, I, I What agree. was the original question? <laughs> the original question was the tone shift. <laughs> so the tone did shift in your voice, yeah, <laughs> but not in the way we were asking. Uh, the, the, you know, and you kind of mentioned it, each, each episode is compartmentalized. Um, and I think, as I said, for me, night, uh, episode one was free will and choice, mm-hmm. and the second one is faith versus evil and the third one's kind of life and death for me yeah. um but in terms of that shift from you know because we at that point you know we didn't know what uh episode three so when when it shifted tones and it got into the religious side of things um did you feel it was too heavy-handed how did you, how did you guys take it like it enjoy it I mean, I personally didn't think it was too heavy-handed. I think it was a nice representation of how people would react in that situation. And Peretta being one of the few people to actually hold on to that sense of religion. She's our guiding force throughout of, of faith. She's kind of the matriarch of all religion that is still happening currently. This is, hey, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. it. And she's the only one, even with her mother having killed herself, at spending, mm-hmm. dedicating her life to religion and then realizing, oh, and there's no reason for it. You know, the overlords completely just wiped that out she still stays faithful and I think that by her staying so faithful it really drives home that comparison between the devil imagery of the overlord and faith in itself and the religious aspect because I mean she's an emotional wreck just completely about the fact that they're even there yeah mm-hmm. I mean again like this is what was so perfect about this whole this story just in general is that it, it does portray like what would what would a real human reaction be to this series of events happening Aliens show up. That's going to make you make religion begin to be get questioned right there. Because like other than Hinduism, there most religions, and I get I think Mormonism, but that's like a whole other thing. <laughs> um, there really isn't a belief in alien beings. Um, there's just it's just not like it's not it's either not touched upon mm-hmm. or outright not believed in. Um, so you have to reevaluate faith in reaction mm-hmm. to that. So some people are able to reorganize their beliefs in terms of like, okay, well, this changes what I believe, but I still believe it. Or what I thought was just totally wrong. Cause we're not like the center of the universe. Like there's no way that like this random guy from 2,000 years ago. And I, I'm, I'm apologize. If I, if I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just, it's the easiest. Simplifying to, it yeah. For to use for the analogy, but 
this this guy that like we picked up and was decided he was our lord. These guys are a lot more lord like yeah. than that guy, um, and we can see them. We can see miracles happening in front of us. So humanity must completely change and because religion is such an integral part of our society it's what wars are waged over it's what people build their lives around it's going to upend everything um, and I think this show did a good job balancing that scale I think it, it just goes to show that the in the deceivers is like you know the episode is named after in the second episode because it's really where that faith is coming in conflict with the overlords and these children that are selected ultimately, they grew up in a world that never knew religion because the overlords had always been there. So there was mm-hmm. no need to teach religion. That was nothing that really, you know, came up as an upbringing as a culture for them. So they are a lot more accepting of what's happening and are a lot more believable. Like, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, the overlords, this is the guy. Like, why would we, why did anyone before believe in Christianity or, you know, Hinduism or anything like that? Because it just, it seemed pointless in comparison to what they were witnessing and they were raised under. You know, it's like their own religion was... You know, shown to them. I would have liked to actually get into what because they did very. They focused on the American reaction in this, and that's mm-hmm. again that's what the book is because the book was uh, the book was took place strongly in America and London. Mm-hmm. But like, I would have loved to see a Hindu reaction to this because there is such. I think that's part of why they didn't is like it because it would become a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you um, need like five episodes at least because it wouldn't shake. A, like to my understanding of it, it wouldn't shake a Hindu's faith because this Hindu's believing in many gods and that there are creatures out there that that could be any number of different beings that come down. Like this would just be another god maybe yeah. that they hadn't met yet, mm-hmm. um, so it wouldn't have interrupted their faith. Um, I I wonder, and then I would, then that become that's the question of would Karelin have just found a way to stop their religion in other ways? Yeah, and would that even be on his agenda? Is that is that even worth it? I mean, if they allow the um, Athens to exist, then what? There's he wouldn't try to prevent religion. If you, if you still want to believe, mm-hmm. then believe. That's yeah. that's on you. But I bet you that uh, you know they'd be walking around pretty cocky. You know, be like, yeah, we called it. That's yeah. <laughs> but guys so, all be jealous. Yeah, but so in episode two, like we have that moment where what do you think it was that like bent the cross and like choked her out, like? Was it was it Tommy or was it Corellin or? Yeah, that's weird. Because um, that's one of those. That's one of the questions that wasn't answered. Mm-hmm. Is like why she got choked by her chain. You know, uh, I don't. I, I can't. I don't want to say Corellin because his historically he's never really um, he's never really interacted with them in that way, mm-hmm. um, and up until the very end. They don't. They don't do things uh, actionary in that sense. Yeah. Um, although the the you know you can counter argue me with you know they got rid of disease so that's <laughs> so I, I I don't know but I, my heart says not Corona at that time I think it's too forceful. Yeah, but so then was it Tommy or like the the overmind I guess working through them. Yeah, I would like to believe there's just a reaction from a child. You know, a child's tantrum. Mm-hmm. He still doesn't know what's happening to him. He's reacting to, you know, he was screaming. It was a bloody murder because he could hear and feel something and felt like he was going somewhere. That's a lot of an emotional toll on a child. So I think that for him it's more of just a tantrum that that was an item that was near her. Then everything was being compacted. It's like, I'm sure 
the you know her, his dad was a little pained when he got thrown against the wall. Yeah. You know, he might have meant something or two. So I just, which I, time? Yeah, so yeah, it was a rough thing for a rough couple of days for him. I mean, in some ways, it's, it's no different than like one of the the kids of X Men when early on and with their powers, yeah. they don't know what they're doing and they just cause something to happen. I mean, how many times have we seen um, Magneto? You know, in the in the German camp, you know, destroy that gate. Yeah. So I think it's something similar along that line. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So I guess, and that. So then that became like that was her interpretation of something that was not directed at religion. It wasn't like you're wearing a cross, so I'm going to choke yeah. you. It was just you were there, and this thing happened. Now you are left to your own devices to interpret it, and you interpreted it to be this, mm-hmm. to be you're being attacked because you're religious even though you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time and if you're one of the only people that are still you know bound by religion and your cross even wearing like since you're a child it gets bent by what who you think is the devil or some source of the devil then i mean you're just going well yeah a plus b equals c for for her it's the most logical conclusion to what, what she was presented with you know but you know the interesting part that uh, she has to kind of learn, and, and just in general, faith like faith by its very definition is not supposed to be logical sure. in many ways. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's the whole thing. Like you know, and that's why counter to that you have science that try you know it tries to be. You could say science is its own religion in many ways because it tries to understand things from a much much different angle. You know, and, and get to the bottom of things, and things are stirred there all the time. If you know, we believe one thing today, and then all of a sudden. Basically, science is the equivalent of like, hey, if all the ducks in the world that we ever see are black, then all ducks are black. Yeah. All it takes is one white duck to come <laughs> along and dispute that theory. Like, and that's oh, science. <laughs> then we're like, that's not a duck. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's I just don't a bird. believe that's a duck. Yeah, don't don't prove me wrong. That's not a duck. That's a swan. When have you ever seen a white duck? <laughs> yeah, crazy. I've never seen a blue duck either. <laughs> really mad. I think reference. I like that the you know the reflection of science too and its relation to faith. Where nowadays the comparison between is between science and faith. And if you're you're you know a scientist, then ultimately people are thinking, oh, you probably aren't very faithful. But in the situation that they're in, Milo believes that science is being killed by the overlords being there. But I just personally feel in a situation like that, it would actually advance the excitement for science. If you see these ships, you see this great technology. I, I mean, I would feel giddy as a scientist going, oh, my God, look at all this technology that we're going to explore. Regardless of being a utopian society, some people's utopian society would be to get to learn how those things operate. And I think Milo being the only one, you know, really at the forefront of that charge, it's, it's a little surprising. I would assume that science had one representative and religion had one representative. Yeah, well, I think what was so interesting about that is, like, because science in a lot of ways is a very religious mm-hmm. thing. Like, you're... When you get into like theoretical physics, like it's a lot of belief. Yeah. Like you can you use the text that you have, the information that you have. It's more based in like the ideas of what you can prove, and that's why it's more it's easier for a certain type of people to latch onto. Mm-hmm. But to when you have it stripped away, yeah. like when you have the pursuit of science, I guess what I, I should say, the pursuit of science and the pursuit of faith are very similar because you are so focused on what you want what you believe and what you are trying to eventually get to that if you tr- if someone tried to stop it you would lose it yeah. um and the i think that when he says like you're taking away science and scientific pursuit it really comes down to like 
he may have these big questions, and it's not like there weren't more scientific plateaus to reach, but most scientific discovery is because we were trying to do one thing and we accidentally (laughs) did another. We were trying to cure medicine and we accidentally created this uh, synthetic material. Yeah. We were trying to get into space. We accidentally made Tang. Uh, <laughs> like ridiculous example. But like but that basic principle. So when there's nothing to strive for, yeah. there's no accidental science. There's no one looking for more things to do. Um and yeah. he all he wants is answers on the overlords and everyone else is just like, no man, we're we're yeah, good. We're cool. we're good. Free. <laughs> I got I I got a baseball field in my backyard yeah. now. Well, speaking of diseases, I mean, uh this this was a uh, this was a tough episode for Ricky. They can't have kids and he's terminally ill. Yeah. I mean and that's especially as a representative. You know, he's you're like you chose me to die. You know, you got I out of anybody that can be saved, I know you could cure me. And he's put in a position where I, I would just be like, dude, come on, man. Like, I've done so much work. You just come back to tell me that I can't have a kid and it was your doing. I mean, that's that would break that trust that I had with Corellan to the core. I mean, I like, how could you still believe and, you know, follow this guy and help him and work towards what you may think is for the, the you know, future goals of Earth, but when reality, it's completely destroying your last couple years or, you know, months or whatever on, on Earth. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, this is the what happens when you have all the power is you're like, well, this is going to be better for you. I'm deciding what's better for you. So I've taken away your ability to, to have kids, even though it's what you want most mm-hmm. in the world. Um, the the him getting sick was, I guess, just like one of those things. Like that's what happens when you take a guy into space. Like. <laughs> People get sick, and sometimes in ways you can't predict. Yeah. So, like I, again, just like a credit to Charles Dance and to the the makeup team, CGI team, when he came down and was looking at him, like you could see the sadness in his yeah. in Corellan's eyes. Like it, you felt like he was just like, I don't want to deliver this bad news. Like, yeah. That's what it looks like when you have to tell someone something really bad. And I mean, imagine the for him, this was just another pit stop. Earth was another pit stop for Krellen. He's going planet to planet as a job for the Overmind. This is what his duty is, and he's going to spend his life doing this. And so for him actually to have a relation with a human, and he found this one person out of everybody on Earth, and he's actually going to be able to relate to him and have sympathy and empathy for the situation he's going through and care for him as though he is kind of a father in that sense. So he said he had 24 kids. Maybe he's got 25 now, you know, an adopted son. But I feel like that for him has got to be more painful than it would be to actually have the disease because he's like, I, this is what I do for a job. And if you get connected to one person on the planet or numerous people on each planet you go to before it is destroyed, that, I mean, that's his hell. You know, that would be a hell for him. Yeah, and, and what, what I did like about that was that it didn't, it didn't uh, go over the top where all of a sudden now Corellan uh, defaults in some sort of way of like, you know what? Yeah, they mess with you. Let me, let me uh, we're going to get them back. Because yeah. you could see that, obviously, that's not the original book either. But um, you could see other sci-fi movies kind of going that route. Yeah. Of like, you know what? I'm really sorry. I'm going to help you. <laughs> Here's the truth. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, uh, apart from that, I mean, that's kind of episode two in, yeah. in many ways. Anything else that, that we might have missed? I know, we could, like I said, at the top of the episode, we can dive into all this stuff so much deeper, do scene by scene, <laughs> but um, we're kind of keeping it to a little bit more broad stroke today. Yeah. Only so oh. much time. <laughs> That's right. We don't have six hours like the like they did. 
Um, all right, so episode three, uh, I've coined it the the life and death themed episode called the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and right away we get into the children. We yeah. meet we meet uh, young Jennifer four years later with her yeah. powers. She, I mean, she definitely came across as the sweet, cute little girl, but just with that little demon inside of her. I mean, it felt just the parents knew she had this power and seeing her like I still would be scared of her I, even as a parent I would be nervous I'd be nervous around my child and like we I've seen what you can do I've seen the world chanting your name this I mean I don't know if I would be able to handle that you know as the parent he he uh, went through so much what is I think it was Jake yeah Jake went through so much as just a father from when it was just before the child was even born so yeah. <laughs> to her being four years old and up it's it's unbearable as a parent to see just your child being torn apart, and it's not even your child. Your child is a vessel for the overmind. Yeah, that was... I mean, the whole thing of Jennifer was like... It was a little weird. Just to clear one thing up, because I think watching it, it wasn't quite... What Was she pregnant already, and they sort of, like, touched her, or mm-hmm. did they... Because when, when I was watching it, I was like, did Corella just impregnate her with yeah. that light? Like... <laughs> Like consent, bro. Like, <laughs> you can't do that. Buy her a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's rule number one. Um, yeah, you know what? That, that's a tough. One. I mean, obviously, kind of. You could say you could tie it back to the Virgin Mary. Yeah, you know and how she got impregnated with the Lord Jesus. Well, that's what I thought they were doing for a minute, and again, just playing to that religious aspect of like. Is this the the child of the devil? Like, and I'm trying. I was like watching. I was trying to remember. Like, what happened in the book? Did he? Did she like pop out like a little like demon baby? <laughs> um, I, I don't quite remember. Um, and again, I mean, I didn't she didn't. The- she didn't have like an overlord child. Yeah. No. Um, but like, I was. That's when I was like questioning because it looked like they it, the light impregnated mm-hmm. her. Just the way that they shot it. Um, so the, this is one of the, I guess, a negative for me is that like that was not really clear what they were going for, not in a good, ambiguous way. It was just sort of, I think that they were trying. That what it was supposed to be was they were touching uh, her already growing child, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and making it, it, yeah, making it the leader for the overmind. But how was that selected? I mean, when the overlords first came, she was just in, you know, she was a high schooler. And she was in love with Jake, and obviously we jump to the future, and they're still together. And I think it's they're starting up that family. How, why was she chosen? Why was this family chosen amongst all the families in the world? Where this child at this time, this is the moment that it I mean, needs to begin. It's one of those. It's no different than Ricky versus the uh, the blind lady from yeah. Korea. For, yeah, I, they looked I, for it's, traits it's beyond what we we can see, and they decided based on mm-hmm. something. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, it kind of, it's one of those things that it's nice to think that there's still, I'll say, good happenstance in the world, yeah. even though you can interpret it as bad happenstance. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of those things that's not really fully explained, but I think I think speaks to the religious side of the, you know, it's not as frustrating as it may be. It's not necessarily for us to interpret or ever know. And the more you try to dig into it and search for a reason. Number one, the more frustrated you can get. Mm. Number two, the more wrong you can be. Sure. So, um, so yeah. But you know, here here she is. She's she's the Jean Grey of <laughs> of this world and leading it. I mean, what, what I liked about that, you know, episode one was very kind of slow, and then episode two ramped up, and then episode three, we're you know now we got a yeah. we got a ticking time bomb. We got a 
We gotta get these kids to the Overlord. <laughs> children of the corn when they're like driving out and there's just like this field of children in the streets just like that's the scariest thing ever like I could handle like a demon walking down the street like in my like to me like I can visually handle that like it would be freaky at first but like I can do it the children lined up just staring at the car as I'm trying to leave just children just following with their eyes as you walk it's just like, that is, no. It's like, nope, nope, no. nope. Well, <laughs> no. I mean, the babies in general or, or kids, they're supposed to be cute. They're supposed to be innocent. Um, they represent the future of everything. Mm-hmm. And so not that at this point in time they know that this is literally the last remnants of what humanity is. Yeah. Uh, it's a scary thing um, as an audience when you do look at it that way. Um, but you know, are- And they're so mindless. Exactly, as they are mindless, would are they really the proper representation for Earth? I mean, they take the children mostly because they're innocent, and they are added to the collective mind of the overmind. But are they? What makes them? I mean, they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the know-how. I mean, definitely, they're definitely not as corrupt as adults would be. But I just feel like they've they all are kind of a little vapid, like they're just <laughs> lemmings wandering around Earth, preventing and then following Jennifer. And I think, it's a little, it's yeah. just creepy and seems pointless, pointless in the overall aspect of who to chose, who to get the collective information, who to add to the overmind. Yeah, well that's, I think that by the end of it is the big question is like, what does, what is the, what is the overmind really going for? Mm-hmm. Like I get this, like the collected consciousness of the universe and that that would be beyond anything that we could think of. Um, like that's a, for what Clark is going, was going for there is like, that's, the closest that we could get to God in mm-hmm. a scientific sense is that, like, you just collect what is the collected mind of every species, every intelligent species that has ever existed on the planet. Mm-hmm. What does that do going forward? Yeah. Um, like, how does that thing behave? Um, but what was unclear to me was like why did the planet have to get destroyed like yeah. why couldn't you just take like take all of this generation of children to become like the part of the collective consciousness and then be like all right humankind we're done with you go have fun yeah. um and not just the adults like why cut off more children yeah, why blow up the planet um, that was, that was why I say like the third episode I had some issues with is that like, that wasn't, amb- like, there's a lot of great television that's not clear, that is left ambiguous. Yeah. The Leftovers is a perfect example of like, good television that's like, a great story that I don't have the answers and I didn't need them. Yeah. Um, this I just, I, I lost a little bit. And this is like one of the things that in the store, in the original book, like, I still love, but there was a little bit of wanting. wanting yeah. It was more so, it felt more so here. I think because on TV you expect more answers. Yeah. Um, a little bit just more a, reveal imagery. Yeah, it's just, it's just the, the, the crutch of the medium is like you expect more answers mm-hmm. on TV or movies. And, um, Carilla did say that we were advancing to a point of being able to achieve something that we couldn't handle. Mm-hmm. And when, and that is why he showed up when he did, when his, with the first interaction is human, humankind was on the precipice of interstellar travel. And now it's their time, it's the overmind's time to intervene. And it's like, okay, now Earth has now come on the map and we got Adam to the overmind. Like, it's almost like that's the scale is once we get to that point is 
the only species that is doing interstellar, interstellar travel are the overlords and the overmind as, you know, doing the bidding of the overmind. And maybe that's the, the benchmark where, oh, the civilization, they've now reached the point of interstellar travel. They are now cognitively, abil- you know, able to be added to the overmind. So, I mean, for me, that's how I kind of connected why. That's pretty good. That's the, that's a pretty good why of it mm-hmm. um, or how of it. Uh, you know, an interesting thing for me, the way I look at it, you know, if, if you adhere to the Big Bang Theory, um, you know, kind of started in the way we can conceive it. Think of like almost just a ball, right? A mm-hmm. giant ball that exploded and created all of this. And so, you know, in many ways, all things being cyclical, maybe this is kind of the natural progression back into this ball and then it'll, and then it'll reset everything and we'll have human beings again in this whole yeah. world and then it'll just go on for you know how light years i guess yeah. however we measure <laughs> <laughs> whatever the biggest measurement of time and space can be which i know is light years but let's let's say like 40 billion trillion light years <laughs> of this kind of cyclical thing yeah um i think the other thing that was that's very interesting about like the, the overlords by the end of this is there's a very real political analogy going on here and I think it was just as much a play in the 50s mm-hmm. um, and like so w- especially with the, the original the book version of Ricky being with the UN mm-hmm. he sort of was a, a parallel in a lot of ways to Corellin like it raises the question like who who gave the overlords and the overmind the right to decide that we are at that stage where humankind is going to be done, that we're going to be out of our depth with this kind of technology that we don't have, we can't control it, but the overlords can, um, much the way, like what gives the U S the right or the UN the right to decide like this developing country can have nuclear technology, Mm -hmm. for example, and I don't know what the right answer is because these are you know what's incredibly funny? complicated topics. There, there's a there was a funny skit uh, for the third right. It was the 30th anniversary for uh, for Back to the Future, right? Yeah, recently. Yeah. Um, and so they they did a skit, and I forget which show it was, late night show. But you know uh, when Emma Brown's kind of catching up with what the future actually is, mm-hmm. and it's an alternate oh, one. Jimmy oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, like, oh, you guys have these. Smartphones that can do all these great calculations. <laughs> yeah, we mostly play just uh, games on them. He's like, "What? Great <laughs> Scott!" And so I think, in many ways, if you kind of interpret it that way, when we have so much technology that we could do so many great things yeah. with, but we use it for the you know for Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> just well, to, how else are you going to find love? I we mean, use it for realistic. love, the most important <laughs> purpose of yeah. all. Interstellar teaches that, that. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah. I, you know, I think you can interpret. You know, as joking as I am, maybe that's a, that's an interpretation of it that you can yeah. apply. That like we're just not responsible with our technology. Not. At but all. again, like what give? Like that's the big question. Is that I think Clark was originally asking with it, and that the series is asking again to, with today. It's like who is supposed to have that right? Like, is it fair mm-hmm. to the person being being taken away? Having these things taken away? Is it or is it responsible? Like there, this the the series doesn't take a side. It just, but I, I think it absolutely presents that question of where do you draw the line of like too much interference versus uh, interference for the sake of 
safety. Well, just, we also don't ask this. I mean, what gives me the right when I feed my dogs versus when I don't feed my dogs, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you can kind of trickle it down in that way. And Feed your dogs. So. Yeah. <laughs> just feed them. Like, <laughs> no, don't but, ever not feed them. Yeah, but but even the times that I choose, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's very specific, and, you know, I'm basically their overlord, and I'm, you know, and but it goes beyond just dogs. It goes to kind of all, you can examine in that way. We were just doing In the Heart of the Sea on uh, Popcorn Talks Anatomy, a movie, mm-hmm. and, you know, how do you treat whales and so on and so forth. So um, I think that's a part that perhaps we don't examine as much because of this work. We just kind of think of aliens and go upwards from there, but you can kind of trickle it down as we're the overmind and how are we treating the Earth. Yeah, I think that in where the world that we're at, that the overlords, and it's always just in our society currently, it's those with the power and the intelligence and the wherewithal to do so generally do control and do lead. Mm-hmm. And the overlords are a perfect example of that. We we are we do by no means parallel their intellect or their ability even closely. Like, we're, we're peasants. You know, it's like the Stone Age comparison to who they are. So, of course, they're going to look at us like we are your dogs. You know, they're, they're going <laughs> to see us and be like, oh, how cute, look at them running around, you know. We'll give them utopia, and they're just going to be all happy and mindless about it. Just like yeah. if you get a playpen for a cat, it's just going to be lo- running around and happy. It doesn't know what else is out there. Yeah, they look so cute, but don't put the vase near the edge. Like yeah. they're going to break it. Exactly. Like, don't leave the, the the leftovers near the on the counter mm-hmm. where the dog can get to it. <laughs> Phil knows what I'm talking I, about. I do. <laughs> um, that's humankind. We we're going after the the chicken wings on the counter, even though we really shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, you know, hey, I, th- I think I think it's worthy of exploring. So you know, hey, listener out there, feel free to be better. Yeah, <laughs> but that's but that's one of the things that I think this show, just to bring it back to the show, it does very well, is that it it asks that question without. There's such a danger when you get into that kind of territory to become preachy, mm-hmm. um, because pick it, it, it. Most stories have to pick a side. Um, this one does it in a way where it asks the question but doesn't give you an answer. It's left to the viewer to interpret, to first of all find that question there. I think it is absolutely there, but to find it and then decide from the story what is what is the right thing to do and how can that apply to my real world. Yeah. Well, let's look at Jerry, right? He um, Because I think he's a good example. He's self-appointed himself. Um, to New Athens, and so what gives him the right to yeah. kind of do this? Um, but obviously, he has enough followers to to keep this going. And as he says, you know, I, I doubt the day will end, but if it does, uh, I, I forget exactly what he says, but we'll give up or something like that. Yeah. You know, um, but he has a strong belief in what he's doing, and as I mentioned, self appointed. Yeah, and some of the most yeah. dangerous leaders are the ones that are self appointed, <laughs> and they and they end up getting that following. I mean, it's just it's a dangerous place to be and especially in a city i understand why jake took his family there like for to find solace but personally going into a society where there is a self-appointed leader with people that are following him blindly i i just be like maybe we'll go somewhere else we'll do our own thing go camping somewhere you know i just and then that just starts up a whole different like the new new athens (laughs) new new athens all right guys we're we're not like that you don't need to follow me we'll do an election a democratic new athens i like that I mean, that's the, the thing is, Athens. I love the idea of New Athens. Like, it's, it's, that's, because that's where you can go. And they're, like, he's like, we even have opera. Yeah. <laughs> like, never heard anybody be so excited about <laughs> opera that wasn't my grandmother. Um, but it, it, but it's like, yeah, you, you latch onto those things that made humanity humanity. Um, when you took those things away, it was like, 
they they called it like humanity 2.0 like but Mm -hmm. maybe people don't want to be humanity 2.0 maybe they liked they didn't want they didn't need that update like (laughs) stop pushing your update on us i don't want to download it it's gonna break everything yeah it's like the old South Park iTunes episode. Um, do you agree to these terms? <laughs> um, you will be mindless and boring, except, except yeah, that's what it was. Like, do you like it's you? All you're reading is those top lines, like no disease, no hunger, Ooh. everyone will be taken care of. But then that like little fine print. By the way, we're going to take all of your children, put them into this thing called the Overmind, <laughs> and eventually they will destroy the planet. Hey, sweetie, did you read this fine print? No, just accept. No, accept. It, Don't worry about it. It, it. it was size point one. <laughs> yeah. font. I don't have time for that. I'm trying to listen to Beastie Boys you, here. You know I can't find my glasses. <laughs> Hilarious, <laughs> um, but that's but that's what people have done here. Like they accepted the the help of the overlords without worrying about where it was going to go. Terms and conditions. Yeah, that's exactly. The overlords had a lot of terms and conditions, and just down to the fact that they weren't willing to reveal anything about themselves, their home world. Like the the fact that even after Corellan revealed himself, there was only ever him. Mm-hmm. The, like yeah. there was no ever never another one. Yeah, on Earth, not on Earth, yeah. That we ever saw, um, like towards the end, we saw um, the the second one, um, but uh, it there wasn't a why should why should we have trusted yeah. him? Like he, if someone's going to keep secrets from us intentionally, of course, like they have another game. <laughs> like you don't it with something as crucial as changing the world. Yeah. You don't hold things back unless there's a reason that like unless we would be scared of the the, re- reason. the reasons. And yeah. I think we would. I think that if had we known yeah. why they were there, we would have been like, "Whoa, no, we're good." Like it would have been <laughs> as the world will opt out. They, they would have got on the phone and be like, "All right, Will Smith, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, like we're gonna need we need you guys. You guys need to get out here." <laughs> nah, dude, we're just actors. No, 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 we need you. No. <laughs> you don't understand. You know, I've like, watched get, that movie a lot of times. Get Bruce Willis in. He's good in space. <laughs> uh, indeed. Um, let's talk about Ricky and, and kind of his storyline in, in the hotel and, and everything like that and why do you think why why even put this in really into it yeah i mean I, just, um, I mean it connected us to the human side of this like we needed we needed somebody to latch on to and we had milo and his storyline as well but we needed this guy that's a spokesman of earth like we we needed to know why he's like who he is like why he was chosen i think that that was the idea like somebody who can love that strongly and care mm-hmm. at the end of the day like that's who is a representative representative of earth um and it just i think at, gave us like so he had good midichlorian yeah <laughs> is that what we, right that's that's the term no that term doesn't exist anymore <laughs> oh god um, they've removed it from everything um but like but the um it just it we we connected to him, so it was useful for that, and I think it just it just helped the story to have like more than just aliens yeah. going mm-hmm. on, like because there wouldn't be every person involved is going to have a relationship that's being affected by what's around them. Mm-hmm. It was just weird that his was represented by his deceased wife. That like that's the relationship, and that's how we get to know him is bringing in a, a ghost. I mean, <laughs> for lack of a better term, that that's what she was. She was just re- a projection of somebody that he had known which I, I think is incredible in its own right that they were able to tap into who he is and actually pull out that memory in such detail like what if they have that type of power why, I mean 
I understand why everybody was complacent, you know, and why he he's the he's really the only one to actually stand up and have a casual conversation with the overlord as though he is just like his neighbor down the street. And it's because I think he was shown firsthand the power that they have. And so he Ricky's in a situation where he's like, I I can't argue with it. I'm the first one to see this, and it is incredibly believable. <laughs> he tapped in and projected my like deepest darkest love. That a current wife probably wouldn't be too amped on and wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the other thing we didn't talk. In episode one, you know, when they when they came and invaded, they took on the the bodies of deceased um, people that they cared about, and so I mean that that just showed great power and great strength right off the bat. I'm yeah. like, whoa, okay, I bow down to you. <laughs> you won. <laughs> You're just like, all right, that was weird. Um, all right, I'm listening. <laughs> What's your next trick? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, um, and forces you to again, like it forces you to question faith and religion and all that immediately. Like the it's fact true. that you they're able to, because the, there's so many things that work. There. That means that they can read your mind. They can create something from the image in your mind mm-hmm. and project it to every person on the planet. They also like, I mean, they created a facility instantly. That, an entire room, and they, it's just like boom. Here's the facility, and this is like the, what the transistor communicator was between uh, pregnant Jennifer or Jennifer and you know the Overmind is a facility that they just built out of nothingness. Yeah, and just it's incredible. Yeah, um, <laughs> I would be flabbergasted. <laughs> the Overmind does wonders. That's right. <laughs> um, so let's let's start getting into the Overmind. Uh, you know, that's Milo's kind of mission. Uh, and in general, with his relationship, I, I felt it worked well. You know, this was—I mean, this was the last time that he—you know—he didn't know the outcome. He, this is going to be—it could have been it. Mm-hmm. He would probably never even return. We know that he returns to Earth, obviously, as an audience, because that's the—you know—the front end of the whole thing. But it's still, nonetheless, a hard decision to go out, and and I mean that in many ways is scientific curiosity to to go to the depths that you can with no predictable outcome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely bold. <laughs> uh, would you have stayed on the ship, or do you think that you would have also returned had that last scene not been shown to us in the very beginning? Me, myself, or... or you personally. Or, uh, me, personally. Um, at that point, I probably would have just stayed. Yeah? You know? <laughs> on the ship? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think I think so, too. I'd be like, well... I guess I could go, like, play with that orca. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm like, I've got some friends, at least, like, relatable. He's, like, he's the new uh, whisperer to all animals on Earth. He could technically be the new Noah, if you look at it that way. He's like, I'm on a ship with all the animals that are existing still from mankind. He's like, do you have one woman? <laughs> like, tell me you froze one. Just tell me. Come on. They did. Unfortunately, she was dead. Uh, oh yeah, they, See, they literally rough. froze his girlfriend or yeah. found her girlfriend. Yeah, it didn't go so well. We tried, we tried, but it just didn't work out. That's cool though. I mean, out of all the people, like if I'm the last one, they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we grabbed your girlfriend." I'm like, "Oh, dude, thanks." Like you didn't have to do that. That's incredible. And you walk in the room. Oh, um, that wasn't. It doesn't help me. And he and Corellin's <laughs> totally like. No, it's the same thing, dude. Like he's like, what are you talking about? Like he's totally justifying that she's dead and how it totally how okay it is. And you're like, whoa, no, this is not okay. Stop trying to make me feel better about this situation. He does the same thing with Ricky too. He's like, you can live in this memory yeah. forever, this happy memory forever. Why wouldn't you want to? He's like, because it's not real. Like, yeah. He he misses 
the he misses the point like why like of like that Ricky and Milo both it was about the human connection mm-hmm. that they had to these other people that was what made them human that was what made them love and yeah. separated them from the, from the overlords and it shows Corellan's empathy for them like he you can see he's learning about it as you know uh doing the bidding of the overmind he's he's actually finding some compassion and empathy and He's connecting. He's offering, and like an internal reality in what he believes is his perfect world. For one, and for Milo, he's offering to be the last human being and to travel with them and be a part of it and continue his knowledge and continue his learning. So it's a situation where he's going planet to planet as doing the bidding of the Overmind, but at the same time he's like connecting and maybe it's starting to doubt the Overmind and doubt what they're doing and whether it's worth it. And I found that I found that incredibly interesting. It, he's frustrated that they they don't get to be part of the overmind yeah um they're like the, the assistance is what it turns out to be yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah i mean you know what what's kind of interesting is um I w- well let me get your take on it because you know zach and i for we didn't know how they would do it mm-hmm. but we kind of knew the tone that it would end on right um you going into it and it, it, it completely fresh how did you think it would even end well, it's even just tonally. I mean, I didn't believe it was going to be ending in such a you know. I mean, final. the title kind of gives it Charles. You know, when you, when you yeah. have a name like Charles, and <laughs> then kind of like oh, th- things may not go so well. I didn't think it was going to be such an epic ending. I didn't mm. think it would be the total annihilation of Earth. I mean, I know we saw those signs, but I thought those were more of just like uh, visions into what may could be. I didn't take those as fact of the planet actually erupting from its core. So I kind of felt like the children would end, but Earth kind of would still go on. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see it being so definitive and humanity just <laughs> ceasing to exist. Especially mm-hmm. at the beginning when you see Milo's here on the couch. It's like, okay, there's hope. Like, it opened with me with hope. I'm like, oh, he's the last guy. But maybe, you know, there's something you do. Uh, Damon was on Mars by himself. He had no hope. Last guy on the planet. Totally worked out for him. So, <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Yeah, um, by the way, the decision to go down, um, we have, we have a few people joining us, uh, live in the channel. Um, and, uh, Michael Blade says, uh, why the hell did Milo stay on the earth? I would have been, oh well, everyone's gone, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, is there another planet with anyone that kind of looks like me? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be exact, just kind of close. They're, you know, a little rudimentary in their knowledge. That's fine. Or, like, he's like, I saw the Martian. Just, like, drop me on Mars. Like, <laughs> leave me with, like, a, a tent. I'll be fine. Yeah. And be a rover. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, or, or the, the, the beach ball from uh, Castaway. Yeah. I guess... Awesome. Just keep him company. Uh, like, I get, like, it was some... There was somewhat of a scientific discovery thing that, like, he could only achieve by going down there, but I didn't really see from that ending what the result was. Like, he watched the Earth get destroyed, mm-hmm. but what could they... What did, could he see from there that they couldn't see from up above? Yeah, not, I mean, just the fact that Jennifer was in the whirlwind, but they saw all. Like, and they knew what was going to happen. They've done this to numerous planets. So. But they, they set it up that, like, him being there, because they couldn't be on the planet. Yeah, no one's destroyed. That they, 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 he was volunteering to do something that they had never been able to do. 
Yeah, I get. Uh, I don't see. I don't see the benefit of it. Yeah, like, I didn't, I didn't know what it was at the end of the day. <laughs> Milo kind of just made a, a bold emotional call. Probably a little bit of regret once he saw the, the you know floor beneath him <laughs> disappearing. He's like, "Ooh, bad call." <laughs> um, but I did really like that ultimate, like where it ended on him saying, "Like, please just remember us, yeah. like something to remember us by," and the music, mm-hmm. um, music, the idea that music is the last remaining thing. Of Earth, and I'm just glad it's not a boy band. Something like yeah. that. Like, you know, I'm just glad Bieber's not the the last remaining thing chosen. Baby, baby, <laughs> they're like driving by in their spaceship. They're like, oh, this place used to be hopping. <laughs> It'd be real ironic if like the last remaining song was like, guess who's back, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, I don't who. I know what I hope somebody's coming back soon. Um, but it, but it goes back to like what is humanity humanity is art and art is built out of the human experience mm-hmm. which is life death pain pleasure all of that wrapped into one thing yeah. and so art is the last thing that will remain which if we had to choose one thing i think that's a, a great option yeah i agree i agree the ultimate time capsule it's the only thing that could exist so they're just like what like a speaker sitting where the earth used to be playing some <laughs> With an classical iPod, music yeah. <laughs> yeah there's just an eye home that's what they did there. they left it there like they're like for anybody who happens upon it it's just like a boom box like <laughs> floating in space oh uh, man could you, you know what uh the go see the gods must be crazy they imagine if that was like the weird space version of the coke bottle <laughs> you mean like when you throw put a note in? No, no. no uh, remember, you guys ha- haven't seen The Gods Must Be Crazy. Ah, no. uh, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, someone drops a Coke bottle into like the like the, the um the wilderness of Africa, and they're like so confused, like what is this? <laughs> um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I think we're getting. Uh, I think by going so far off topic, I think that means we've about ended our discussion of childhood ed. Uh, any last thoughts, Zach Wilson? Um, especially in the, I thought it was very, uh, it was maybe a little overdone, but I appreciated it in the first episode. There were a lot of sci-fi influences that were very clear. Like the close encounters, like reference with all the stuff turning on in the house yeah. and like the light coming through. It was like, okay, You've seen Close Encounters, we get it. But there were subtle ones that I that were other also that I really liked. There was a couple. They had a couple of music cues from two thousand one, mm-hmm. and like when the when the Overlords are first like arriving in the in the first part, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was very good. I mean, it's Clark, so like using yeah, using sense. that made a lot of sense because the Overmind and the Overlords are such a similar idea to what ends up being the rest of his work including 2001 he uses a lot of those same ideas throughout his books yeah. I'd just like to give another shout out to Charles Dance I just think that his role throughout the whole thing it, it's what kind of kept me just captivated by the every each one of the episodes and it just kept you going because he's mysterious in himself and how it's presented and how Corellan is such an embodiment of like what you were saying earlier the UN and where we were in the 50s and just the differences that haven't changed i mean the strong superior the powerful they come in and that's who everybody ends up following and corellan was that perfect embodiment of that and the fear that is goes alongside with that i mean it's you know it's amazing but at the same time it's terrifying because this person can do things that we can't even fathom or understand or comprehend as to how they can so for me just he moved the story along it really just brought the whole thing together in a sense of uh, mystique and you know wonderment Mm mm-hmm Excellent. Um, you know, what, for me, I 
you know, I, I got to commend one of the things we didn't talk about was the visual effects. I thought, you know, the, the fact that they did this in such a, you know, I, I don't know what the budget was, but I think they, they utilized it in the best of ways. And, you know, to a degree, I wish they had a bigger budget, but at the same time, what they had, they did a lot with it. Yeah. And I give them uh, so much credit for that. And, you know, the fact that every, you know, it seems like it's going to be a thing where Zach mentioned Ascension last year and they had this 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 year. So, um, you know, sci-fi is really getting back to their roots. So i got to commend them for going on this journey and, and yeah. creating something um, that is different. I mean, you're basically creating a, almost with commercials, what, about a five-hour and 15-minute movie? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is sci-fi is like in this world where like everyone's doing sci-fi stories now. Every network has some kind of science fiction show. Sci-fi went through this phase of like trying to figure out what are we going to, as the sci-fi network, what do we do? We can't air wrestling all day. Um, That's like, we're like, all right, well, just change the name. It's Seafy now. Um, But like, so they, they tried the more slow like the 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 more ridiculous things like sharknadoes yeah. and all that from the asylum the that z nation <laughs> which like not that those things are bad but it wasn't what sci-fi used to be with like battlestar galactica now yeah. they're like okay we're just gonna go into that heady heavy science fiction that no one else is really doing no one's doing space stories anymore yeah but we will dark matter killjoys childhood's end the expanse like we're gonna throw the craziest shit at you the magicians <laughs> yeah the magicians the craziest shit we can think of and um i'm really looking forward to uh the next big one from them is going to be 3001 a space odyssey which is one of my all-time favorite books like let alone just clark novels Mm -hmm. which is uh for anyone doesn't know they find frank Poole's body floating in space and frank Poole being the, the 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 other astronaut who hal kills and like they send him off and bring him back to life in the year 3001. And then, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's going to be, that's on their docket for... So that'll be December 2016? I I believe so. Um, It it might be 2017, but it's it's in the work. I know it's being developed and produced right now. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you to those of you who partook uh, in the live chat. Uh, You know, I know we didn't advertise as much. It kind of came together last minute, but we do appreciate it. If you didn't get to join us live... That's okay too, <laughs> you know. That's that's what DVR and on demand is for. So uh, comment below. We appreciate your thoughts and opinions. Um, as Zach said, it's a very heady movie, and therefore there's a lot to discuss. Uh, so you know, discuss with us, and uh, have a good 2015. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll see you in Utopia. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Zach, where can the people find you? Uh, You guys can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at ThatZachWilson, T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H-W-I-L-S-O-N. And uh, also here at AfterBuzz on a whole number of different shows. Uh, Next year, I'm going to be talking Agent Carter, uh, Better Call Saul, and a whole host of others. You can find them on uh, my Twitter as well. And uh, keep up with me. I want to know what you guys thought of Child of Zen. Tweet it at me. And you can find me anywhere on the internet at Keith W. Black. And you can also catch me on the Man in the High Castle after show. Darn right. And follow us here at AfterBuzz TV, yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Have a great year and a great 2016. Happy holidays. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. 
I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.